Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to the December edition of my one month to a more effective compliance program series that I have been running throughout 2017. In this month of December, I'm going to take a look at one month to better written standards for a compliance program. The sponsor this month is my Doing Compliance Masterclass Series. I recently partnered with Jonathan Marks at Markham LLC to put on a series of masterclass training sessions in late 2017 and throughout 2018. We just concluded the 2017 training in New York City, and I will be announcing upcoming training sessions going forward. If you have enjoyed and utilized this podcast series throughout your compliance program to the next level. In this month, I'm going to take a look at written standards for compliance programs. We take a wide variety of approaches and topics, and I think you'll find at the end of December, you'll have a much better grounding on how you can create, design, and implement better written standards which will improve your compliance program. My series on one month to a better compliance program is part of the compliance program. Day four, code of conduct, structure, and form. Next, we consider the evolution of the structure and format of a best practices code of conduct. Initially, my experiences with codes of conduct were they were written by lawyers, largely for lawyers. This included lots of thou shalts and thou shalt nots liberally sprinkled throughout the lengthy written document. This was is what is now referred to as Code 1.0. The compliance community has evolved into Code 2.0, where at least the writing was le is less turgid, and we have moved to more employee-friendly language, and then some along the lines we where we started putting in hyperlinks and pictures. There are two factors which a company should consider regarding the structure of a code of conduct. The first is to consider how your organization generally communicates, overlaid with the most effective way to communicate with the various stock stakeholders who will read and use the code of conduct. These stakeholders can include such diverse groups as employees, shareholders, and third parties on both the sales and supply side of your business. This may require multiple approaches. The second point involves considering the thinly veiled land of the future of compliance by considering how your code of conduct will be viewed and used going forward. A simple example is the switch to mobile devices as a mainstay of corporate communications. Think about how laptops are viewed as the primary device through which most employees and stakeholders interact with training and resources for many organizations. Will your format today work on those various formats tomorrow as they become available to you. With the current Adobe PDF, for instance, you can have a PDF document because it is the easiest thing to provide to employees who are looking at it on an iPhone or a tablet or who may want to print it out and hold the pieces of papers as it is, it is the most compatible format out there. 
Also, you can embed some interactivity into a PDF document, such as technology, such technology allows you to add functionality as it becomes available to you. What form should the document take to have institutional strength to form the backbone of any best practices compliance program? Well, first of all, remember, it can't be written in legalese with lawyers, written by lawyers for lawyers, if your experience is to doing something fun within your organization, well, by all means, be fun. If your organization is one where there is more free-flowing communication and free-wheeling internal communications, this should be reflected in your code of conduct form. This means if your organization is a startup in Silicon Valley or a well-known organization that is dedicated to fun, such as Southwest Airlines, there may be a more playful attitude and a more playful way to communicate the code of conduct topics. Conversely, if you work for a hierarchical energy services company which communicates in a top-down strategy, such playfulness is not appropriate. What you should strive for is a consistent communication strategy. If your employees or other stakeholders are accustomed to receiving communications in a certain style, it would be appropriate for you to communicate that style in your code of conduct. The key is not just how the internal communications at your company occur, but also consider how such diverse groups as ops, marketing, other corporate disciplines, HR, IT, execs, should strive for consistent communication in your strategy in your communicating your code of conduct. Think about the evolution of the code of conduct from the type of document that was akin to an annual report to one that now addresses corporate culture. A code of conduct must speak to the typical important concepts such as values that define the ethical culture or should define the ethical culture of your company. Some codes of conduct are very long, say 12 to 14,000 words, but others are quite short, only four to 5,000 words. All this means there is no set length and the style of writing can vary. But it must ring true with your employees. You must be honest to yourself, your employees, your stakeholders, and your shareholders. Don't go in a completely different direction. Finally, be sure your code of conduct is readable. This is beyond simply eliminating legalese. It is writing English which can be translated at a grade level which is sufficient for your employee population. It may be that an eighth grade language level is appropriate for your workforce. However, if you have a population consisting primarily of professionals, translating it into appropriate languages, it might be appropriate to aim for a higher level of language. Finally, you do not have to say the same thing multiple times in multiple ways because you've got policies and procedures that are going to come behind your code of conduct. So what are today's three key takeaways? Well, number one, companies have moved past having a code of conduct written by lawyers for lawyers to a code of conduct that is fully interactive for not only all employees, but stakeholders, including others in, in the corporation and those who do business with your corporation customers, third parties, agents, etc. Two, consider how information is distributed in your organization as a basis for communication in your code of conduct. If you have a playful, fun style of communication, that may be appropriate 
conversely, if you have a hierarchical style, that may be appropriate. And finally, number three. Always remember your code of conduct must be readable, both in English and native language for the non-English speaker. This means you need to have a first-rate translation service, not just a one that you run through your computer, to make sure that the language actually translates and the concepts that you're trying to get across actually translate. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to day four of one month to better written standards, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow where we go to day five. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of One Month to Better Written Standards and a Compliance Program. I hope you'll join me tomorrow for another episode. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would ask that you would rate our podcast as it would help in our rankings and also help get the word out about the only daily podcast, which will give you a hint or tip to improve your compliance program. Also, if you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening. I hope you'll join me tomorrow. My podcast series of one month to a better compliance program is a part of the This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.